0: Hello, everyone. Thank you for being here. Thank you for joining us uh, this evening uh, for this panel called the Library of Borges. My name is Immaculada Larabonilla. I'm I'm a professor of Latin American and Latino Studies at Ostos College, CUNY, and I will be co-moderating this panel with my colleague, uh, the novelist uh, Claudia Salazar. and we will be discussing uh Borges with uh, the Rodrigo Fresan and Rodrigo Rey Rosa tonight. Number one, number yes. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. For making my life easier. <laughs> <laughs> Rodrigo, non haired. Okay, so the the way the, sh- uh, the show, as you see, it's a little bit of a show, is going to run is we'll have uh, the two uh, guest authors read from novels, read uh, from their fiction, and uh, for about three, four minutes each, and then our discussion will start. Uh, for about, and we'll go on for about 60, 65 minutes, and there will be audience Q&A at the end. So you can head over to the sound booth uh, when you're uh, sort of told by someone, maybe me, to do so, (laughs) and uh, we'll start the the Q&A, okay? Everybody cool with that? All right, thank you. So our guest authors tonight Oh, uh, by the way, I was told that I need to tell you to um, turn your cell phones to silent. Thank you. And without further ado, I'd like to introduce tonight's guest authors. Rodrigo Fresan is the author of 10 works of fiction, including Kensington Gardens' mantra, The Invented Part, The Dreamed Part, The Bottom of the Sky, among others. A self-professed referential maniac his works incorporate many elements from science fiction. He says he doesn't write science fiction, but he, he wrote a book with science fiction in it, right? Yes. So alongside pop culture and literary references, science fiction is, is, is there in his work. And according to Jonathan Leatham, quote, he's a kaleidoscopic, open-hearted, shamelessly polymathic storyteller the kind who brings a blast of oxygen into the room. In 2017, he received the Prix Roger Quelois awarded by Pen Club France every year to both a French and a Latin American writer. It's our first Rodrigo, Rodrigo number one. Rodrigo number two, Rodrigo Rey Rosa. Rodrigo Rey Rosa was born in Guatemala in 1958. He immigrated to New York in 1980 and in 1982 he moved to Morocco at the behest of a good friend uh, who needed his apartment right just kidding an American expatri- uh, American expatriate paul uh, writer Paul Bowles with whom Ray Rosa had been corresponding translated his first books into English. Ray Rosa has ba- has based many of his writings and stories on legends and myths indigenous to Latin America and North Africa. Of his many works, seven have been translated into English, The Beggar's Knife, Dust on Her Tongue, The Pelkary Project, The Good Cripple, The American Shore, Severina, I'm sorry, The African Shore. (laughs) Uh, And now Chaos, A Fable. He currently lives in Guatemala City. So both authors are going to read brief excerpts from uh, their fiction first, and then, um, and then we will begin the discussion. Please join me in welcoming Rodrigo Fresan and Rodrigo Reyes
1: Okay, hello, thanks for being here. Well, I'm going to, to read like two paragraphs. I, I don't like uh, really reading myself. You know, I always say that reading yourself is a little bit, it's, it's, it's as boring as dancing with your own sister, you know? <laughs> and discovering that your sister is not very good looking. So uh, I'm going to change. This is for the invented part, it goes like this. The first thing they film, of course, is the library. Close-ups and wide shots and zoom-ins and zoom-outs where they can read titles but no names, or vice versa. So, of course, some legible titles automatically trigger the small-letter name or the other way around, action and reaction, alpha and omega. A serpent eating its own tail or strangling itself with it. Bookshelves upon, upon bookshelves. And it's worth wondering whether it's the shelves that hold up the books or the books that hold up the shelves, or both. Books standing up, books on the floor, books lying down, books lying down behind books standing up, books kneeling, books reclined and inclined. as if if praying to other books above them, but below others still higher books, despite the fact that their position means nothing and reveals less in terms of their quality and prestige and impact and how much they are admired by those who read them. There are no clear hierarchies or obvious favorites. There is no alphabetical or chronological or geographical or generic order. All together now, all mixed together, and the books reach the ceiling and even climb the stairs like some kind of polychrome kudzu subine, Turning the wooden stairway into a stairway of books that at one point came from wood. Books that came from wood and to wood they'll return. Books shifting like ladders in an ascent without summit or terminus. Books climbing for nothing but the pleasure of continuing to climb and continuing to be read, until the final step. Not of a library, but of a library. A life made of books. A life made of lives. That's all.
2: Good evening, Uh, thanks for being here. Um, I I will apologize before uh, anything else, for my my english I, I will read something that I, I think is well it's been improved in the translation, but I'm going to ruin it again by <laughs> reading it out loud um, this this book the title of the book is um, in spanish uh, a nation fable which I was told was not a good title in english so I'm going to read a piece of the book that is called an- that I could keep because it's not a title, as an Asian fable, which is like the kernel of uh, the basic idea. When I started writing, um, was heading to this sort of center. Um, it's um it's a piece of writing by the writer who is the, the protagonist, so it's sort of a. A condensed uh, idea of what's in the book, and it's it's a it's a piece that the writer writes for um, for a weekly magazine with the title "A Nation Fable," and it goes like this: I am traveling through Europe with my 12-year-old goddaughter and one of her friends from high school, so I must update my learning. But during an after dinner conversation of the kind one often has on such trips, I find myself at a loss to explain the difference between human intelligence and what may seem like intelligence in machines. I present two or three arguments that I'm afraid don't manage to convince the girls who have just read in Paris, a text called Identifying Humanoids, a User's Guide a pamphlet from a questionable product called Somatic Design, accompanied by this note, in quotes, this leaflet contains basic information on the interaction of humans with imitation humanoids in 3D, close quote. A joke, obviously, but it's alarming, most of all because the girls seem to have taken it seriously. A few days later, a likely illustration of a peculiar aspect of human intelligence comes to me in a dream. It was one of those dreams in which the dreamer is a neutral, neutral entity, bodiless, a mere spectator. We find ourselves on the Mediter- Mediterranean coast of Syria in a landscape of white sand, blue sea, and men dressed in black. A group of illegal immigrants is about to board a barge to escape a mob of militia. Are they ISIS? In the group, there are five children without parents. They, they'll be the last to come aboard. A dilemma arises. There is space only for three of them. A decision needs to be made. Who will be left behind on the beach? If the problem were presented to a machine or to an adult mind, the solution would be simple. Luck or caprice would dictate the outcome. But it so happens that the, the children who had become best of friends on the journey that brought them from a city slum, it might have been in Aleppo or Tadmur all the way to the coast. They, the children, are the ones who must solve the problem. At the end of a brief discussion, the children turn to the captain of the barge to give the only humane response possible. They are not willing to play that game. They will stay together on the beach. The adults are exasperated. The children stick to their decision. The captain gives the order to set sail. As the boat moves out to sea and the waves grow larger and larger, The children see a cloud of dust rising on the horizon inland. It might be the genocidal militias approaching. The five children at that moment become the secret and privileged guardians of something exclusively ours, the human essence, and which, like a sense of the absolute, can sometimes be communicated through words. In the darkness of the little Parisian hotel, newly awakened from a dream turning to nightmare, I think, the destiny of the adults who set out over the rough sea, though at first sight better than what lies in store for the children, who are now burying themselves to hide in the sand, is is as uncertain as any other human destiny. But the children's destiny is more certain The decision they have just made on that Syrian beach, or is it only in the dream, has made them heroic and thus, immortal.
0: Thank you so much, uh, Rodrigo uh, and Rodrigo. This is uh, wonderful readings both. You may be bored by your reading, but uh, we weren't. Um, the Library of Borges is the title of our, um, of our panel today, of our discussion, right? And um, <clears throat> as the literary universe um, that your work and that Borges' uh, work invokes, our conversation could be infinite, okay. right? It's not going to be. We need to finish by 8, 8.30, eight, uh, 8, I think, right? Okay. So I thought we would start with a question that's very concrete about when you started reading Borges and what st- what you started with and what drew you to him, who drew you to him, what did you see in Borges at first?
3: Okay,
1: um, well, my, 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 my perception of, of Borges is not strictly literary in the beginning. Um, in fact, uh, it was like some sort of thing because my father was like a sort of celebrated graphic designer and he made a, a book with Cortázar and, and another with Borges and I, re- I remember my, myself clearly like cutting small Borgeses, you know for him there, there wasn't any Photoshop or, or no computer so it was like a collage and I was helping him with him with it but at the same time Borges was everywhere when I was a kid I mean it, it was very common to to see him walking down the street you saw Borges all the time you can even take him by the by the arm and and walk with him like three or four blocks and talk with him. He was completely accessible you know um, he didn't like football, which made him sort of unpopular at the same time you know in argentina <laughs> but um and there was a, a very funny situation that was almost like a national tradition every year when they were you know given the Nobel Prize. All, all, all the, uh, the TVs were like sort of camping around the apartment where Borges was living, waiting for him to win it that year and, and it never happened, you know? And it was like a big sort of uh, collective depression in Argentina. You know? And he was perfectly happy with not winning. Anything. You know, He said that it was like some sort of extra tradition, not giving the Nobel Prize to Borges <laughs> every year, you know? And it was very funny because there were like the reporters, and they were saying, "Oh, we're so sad, the Argentinians, because we thought you we were going to get the Nobel Prize." And he said th- things like, "No, no, but the prize was for me. It wasn't. Well, it was not for Argentina? You're confused. I mean, it was. It, it was. I won it. You're you're not going to win it. it don't, it's not the even the country. You know. So it was like that all the time. It was it was pretty funny. Uh, so that was my first impression of Borges. And it was very lucky because I read it for the. Read him for the first time when I was like 12 or thirteen, and I read him exactly the same way that he read Chester Donald Stevenson as, a, as, as, as an author of fantastic fiction. you know I, I never went to the university. I don't have a like a literary major higher education. so I read him like a, like a science fiction fantastic uh, writer, which is one of the things that I think makes Argentinian literature pretty distinctive in, in the context or in the landscape of Latin American fiction you know i think it's the only it's the only uh, literature in spanish i'm positive sure about it but i guess on planet earth and maybe the galaxy that all argentinian canonical tothemic writers they dealt with the fantastic genre you know so which is very strange so that was my my first uh, approximation. Of course, you can write like Borges. You, you can consider. I mean, if you try to to write like Borges, you'll you'll be you'll sound like completely stupid. So so the the the, the big teaching of Borges for for Argentinian writers first of all is you don't have to go looking for the great Argentinian Nobel because he despised Nobel as a genre, you know. So yes. we didn't have that problem. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and at the same time, that there's this famous essay by him for, that for me is like Moses' commandments. I, th- I think it's titled uh, The Argentinian Writer and Tradition, where he says something like, uh, since we have to deal with the, the, uh, the horror of being born in Argentina, our consolation is that the whole universe is our theme. We can do anything we, we like in order to escape from here. Yeah, so right, that's for right, me right. Borges' great teaching. Mm-hmm.
0: Thank you. Thank
4: you. Well, I,
2: I must say I don't remember um, what text of Borges I read first. It was Ficciones, but I, I was a very disorganized reader, so I, I went back and forth. Um, I didn't read the whole, it was so dense. Actually, I had to read John Ugbar several times before I had an inkling of what it was. But it was pretty early on. I was maybe 17 when I first read Borges. And and then I forgot about it. I thought I was going to be a a medical doctor, and I started studying medicine until um, I I started rereading Borges, and... I decided, no, I'm going to drop out of medical school and try to write. And so it was a very, Borges for me was literature in a way. And the way he talked about books sort of was my literary education. I never went to, except for six months in medical school, I didn't go back to college or any kind of study center. And uh, Borges became really like my map to, to learn about literature and started reading the authors that he talked about and suddenly he made them up so it was a problem in Guatemala. (laughs) 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 I would go on really wild goose chases. And Guatemala was the the opposite of of what uh, any civilized city should be. There were no libraries, still today it's true, no libraries, very hard to get books that were not, you know, bestsellers or the classic Spanish literature. So Borges was like a, you know, an oasis for someone who wanted to read an, an author that I read almost like religiously. Every day I would not go to sleep without reading at least a, a, a sonnet. Which so for me, Borges is a, a very meaningful <laughs> author. Uh, I saw him once here in New York, but I was so afraid to to approach him that you know sort after the reading I just run away. <laughs> I, was, I had been tempted to go and say, you know, mm. such and such. But
4: Hello. well, sorry. I was thinking about this, uh, the relation between the, the notion of the library, because we already all, or we all know that but for Borges, library was the entire universe. Mm-hmm. Or I think the, the, the reverse was right, uh, mm-hmm. the universe as an entire library. So when we talk about the library in Borges, we're actually about talking about what literature, lit- what literature is. So how do you feel so close or maybe so distant to this notion of uh, literature from Borges in your
1: own works? No, I, think, I, I think for me it's pretty close and, and I agree what with Rodrigo said about the idea of uh, I mean all many many <sighs> short stories by Borges the reader is the character you know that there, all the time there are people reading or people writing and, and when I remember me wanting to be a writer when I grew up and and, and feeling like meanwhile I, I was not doing as bad as a reader because Borges was a reader before a, a writer also there, there, there was some sort of glamour of, of the, 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 the reader as character, which is something that appears all the time in, in, in most of the uh, most most important Argentine writers, you know they are all the time like. Reading, consulting the library, finding some strange manuscript—you know—going crazy, re- reading something, or killing someone because they have to, do, you know, to be the only readers of that sort of mystery or 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 whatever. Uh, in a way, it's—it's—I it's, it's, think it's like a perfect writer to 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 get you close to the idea of a library. You know, I mean, I think it. Uh Borges uh, makes you want to read more than want to write, in a way, you know? As I said, I mean, there's no sense in, in, in writing like Borges, you know, because mm-hmm. you'll be like, like a parody, you'll, you'll sound stupid, you know, you, you can't do it.
0: What I find really interesting about his relationship to uh, libraries, too, is that he often spoke about libraries. Well, he was a librarian. He mm, worked as a librarian many years. Yes, and he has all these. uh, Blind, which is
1: sort of paradoxical.
0: That's exactly what I was going to say. Those libraries are often seen through blindness, right? (coughs) So those uh, physical books, those bookshelves that also also reverberate in your work, uh, as in, the, in the passage that you, uh, that you read at first, Rodrigo Fresan, uh, um, they're ubiquitous in, in his uh, writing, right? So um, they, they speak of a love of reading, but they also speak of genealogies, right? Of traditions that he loves, traditions that he searches, and genealogies of writers. So tell us both of you about, just a little about your readings and the literary authors and traditions that appear in your fiction, and are you aware of being drawing some genealogies in your work? Of course, we've seen in in your fiction, um, people like uh, um, Bowles, of course, is in in your fiction and, uh, 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 Fitzgerald um, and Rodrigo Fresans or Bukowski?
2: Well, I must say I'm not, um, I don't think of genealogy or or what line or what, I, I don't think of what I, what I write when I write, I really don't. And in that sense, I would be the, the opposite of, although not maybe the opposite, but I think very different, Bor- Borges is obviously a very literary writer. Which i'm not I, I, I I'm the most unliterary writer I know uh, <laughs> and i um, I take writing as a, as a, an exercise in freedom and i I enjoy very much doing this and I don't really think about what i'm doing and um, it's something I don't think will change now <laughs> that's that's how it started it's for me it's it's um well, rereading my work and editing and correcting that—that's hard work. But writing is, for me, sheer pleasure, mm-hmm. uh, an exercise in, in freedom and uh, irresponsibility.
1: <laughs> well, me—I—I I, I have the impression that everybody is invited to my party. You know, I have no limits, and the doors are open, open wide. Anybody can get in. I, if everything is useful to me, but it's some sort of like very Borgesian modus operandi. You know that you can take what 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 works for you. In fact, for me the the two best uh, favorite short stories by Borges are like variations on the on, on on one theme. One one is El, El Aleph, mm-hmm. which is like some sort of he describes some sort of. Compression of the whole universe under the stairs of a house in, in San Telmo in a neighborhood in Argentina, and the other is the opposite but complementary is Tranquillar. orbit that that it's like expansive. It's it's a whole planet inva- invading. No, it's one one sort of goes goes yeah. to this very synthetic, yeah. and yeah. the other, yeah, yeah. So that's I think that's. The two, the two movements Borges makes all the time, you know. He writes Funes and Memorioso about someone remem- remembering everything and then writes Shakespeare's memory about losing memory, <laughs> losing memory and discovering that the memory of Shakespeare has no value at all, that the important thing is the work, you know, no, not having the memories of Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. Well,
5: very
4: often, Looks like uh, Borges is always laughing at us, as, as readers, at as our usually uh, our assurances about uh, writing, about reading, about history, even about genealogies, right? So, specifically about the the this idea of authorship, he's yes. always like laughing about that and kind of making uh, making jokes about that. So, I think, for uh, Borges, the idea of the fiction doesn't have an origin, right? Because he's Kind of uh, breaking the idea of a, of a genealogy, so there is no the he he breaks with the idea of the original text. No, there's a, there's no original text. I mean, everything could uh, could be in a kind of a perpetual machine, producing and producing more more text. Yeah. So, I think this idea of uh, of not claiming an origin. How do you work with this, and how would you, how do you consider your own self your own representation as authors? Considering this idea of Borges, and I am thinking very specifically on your own, Rodrigo, uh, your own uh, re-elaboration of this notion in La Parte Inventada. Okay. thinking on that.
1: I, I'm not very conscious about it. I mean, it's uh, may, maybe it's something that, as Rodrigo said, it it, it looks clearer from the outside when, when they look at you and see what what you do. I'm not. I, I don't have like a like a system or a trick or a manual to follow. But I, but I agree that, that with, with this Borgesian idea of, of you know, uh, everything is, is useful and you can take what, but it's already in El Quixote also, you know, it's since the, the, the novel where is there are books inside the books and, and authors like <clears throat> writing or, or not writing. In fact, Borges is very useful to you as a, as a, I, I, I well, well, I have, I have like, like a personal, Story with Borges, but I'm I'm not going to tell it now. Or or yeah, it's completely stupid. It sort of embarrasses me. It was like, well, it's in in the. I I, I told it in in my first book when I wasn't a published author yet, but I wanted to be a a writer. I was once on the street in in Buenos Aires, and I was like having a a very sort of almost violent argument with my then girlfriend on the street. We were like screaming at each other. We were uh, great uh, fighters between. I mean, we, 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 our relationship was through discussions, to use a Borgesian word, you know, <laughs> and uh, and then in one moment she slapped me, and and she, and she went out running, and I was like running after her, you know, on the street, and then I turned a corner, and I felt like I went like through something, you know, like like some sort of membrane, and I saw something moving on the air. You know, and then say what happened, and then I saw like like three meters from me, Borges on the floor, completely like uh, holding his can like this, and what happened? What happened? What happened? What happened? You hit him. Yeah, but <laughs> I hit him, but pretty pretty roughly and very badly. I, I almost killed him. In fact, he died. He died like six months after that. You know, <laughs> no, it's true. And and you know, people was like turning around. No, 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 but um, people was watching and they were telling me, you kill Borges, you kill Borges. <laughs> and, and this is... <laughs> actually, no. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. And, 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 and this is the, the, the typical thought of a very miserable person who wants to be a writer. The, fir- the first uh, thing I, I thought was, even if I write in search of lost time, something like that, I'll always be remembered like the guy who killed Borges, you know? So, so it was like...
5: Awful, very
1: remarkable. And one thing that really intrigues me and, and makes me feel worse is that I don't remember if I held him standing up. Be- no, no, because I wasn't, in, 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 no, 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 it's true, it's true. Because, no, no, and, and, and this is the second pretty distasteful miserable thing I thought. I was in, in, in the middle of all that with the people screaming like Borges moaning on the floor and all that stuff. And I thought this is going to be a great story someday, you know? Yeah. For me. <laughs> it, it's, it's going to work in a short story very good. Very yeah, thanks, yeah. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Th- and that's my real personal story with Borges. <laughs> oh, no, don't clap, please. Some, show some respect for the deaf. Yeah. <laughs> no, and, and the thing is, I mean, we, we, after that, we sort of that's broke up. You uh, well, no. That no. uh, when when we broke out with my girlfriend, like two months after that, he died, and I remember I was reading the, the news on, on the paper, thinking maybe there was some sort of internal bleeding. I, I was pretty worried about w- what what killed him, you know. Well, I
5: have
2: nothing to add to that. <laughs>
0: Can go on on the topic of uh, catastrophes well, and the uh, you, uh, but you
1: kill poor balls probably. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> no girlfriend stories and uh, author killing stories. No, on your part no. So on the, on the topic of um, catastrophes and um, the decline of civilizations and killing um, the uh, the fathers of our literature. Perhaps.
1: Um, no, but seriously, no no one wants, to, from my generation, no one wanted to kill Borges. I know. No, lit- you, <laughs> no, 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 yeah, no, I no, just, no, from a literary point of view, there was never any problem with Borges about, you know, you have to kill your I father. So, I mean, we, we loved him, really. We still love him. There wasn't no trauma, no problem at all, no mm-hmm. sort you have to kill him in order to write No, I think you feel too
2: guilty about this. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think that Borja
1: didn't do that. You're
0: explaining yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that, that's how where I was going. <laughs> was like I was trying to make a segue towards an yeah. a different topic here. Yeah. Um, uh, so so the, the idea of um, the... You know, there's a, there's a lot of uh, uh, Claudia mentioned um, some of the reassurances or some of the assurances that that he um, makes us reconsider, right? Including authorship and who the author is, uh, and the existence of the original text, um, and some of the authors that in his fiction end up dying. You know, so many authors and readers and. Um, more generally speaking on the, uh, about the presence of, the, of the, you know, the genealogies also and the past civilizations in his work, he seems to be concerned or f- maybe fascinated by past civilizations, right? There are so many Greeks and Corinthians and Persians um, and the uh, Araucanian and Aurocanos and his fiction, um, count as other uh, uh, characters from, from different cultures and civilizations. So at least there is a concern and an attention to that. And I've noticed in your fiction also, both of your fictions, that there is a sense of, uh, in, in, the, in the case of Fresan, um, I, I think I noticed a concern, at least a, an attention given in your novels, about loss or change or crisis of the so-called literary world. We have the in the La Parte Inventada, in the Invented Part, for instance, you have this phenomenon of literary fandom, right, um, the characters that at the expense of their own well-being, they will hang on to the writer, they will hang on to the memory of someone who could be like Borges, right? yeah. this, uh, um, this, this mythical uh, 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 literary figure. And in, in, the bottom, at the, in the bottom of the sky, there are also the fans of science fiction who seem to be you know, reclaiming another time uh, another literary time. So, are you hinting at the, the crisis in literary production, a crisis in um, a co- a culture, in crisis?
1: Well, I, I think that the fascination with, with of Borges with with other times or other civilizations is it's a very Argentinian thing, in because our present is always awful. As a country, you know, it's permanently. Horrible, so we're like all the time, like sort of, sort of glamorizing the past or the future or or uh, ancient civilizations, and I think it, it's much more like a like a defense mechanism.
0: Interesting. There's also, of course, the destruction. In your case, in uh, chaos, there's a lot of destruction. All of the civil All of the cultures involved seem to be in crisis, right? Everybody's. I think we uh, are in crisis.
2: I think. But I think the history of of the world is a history of crisis. I don't think we've ever really come out. No. (laughs) And well, Guatemala um, doesn't even. I mean, you cannot even start comparing it to Buenos Aires because Buenos Aires would seem like um, the oasis of civilization and (laughs) and urban. Guatemala is really a chaotic combination of worlds where, where the, you know there's a world that is not known, that is the indigenous, which is very alive, uh, is totally suppressed. And so it, you cannot even start comparing Argentina to Guatemala. Uh, Guatemala is really chaos on the move. Uh, and from Guatemala, Argentina, well, it's a, it's a sort of a cliche, but Argentina is like the, oh, Buenos Aires, is the only European city, yeah, uh, that's uh, that's and that's and Borges represent. I mean, you, uh, I mean the fact that a, a writer or a library like the one that Borges worked at exists in in is unthinkable in Guatemala. Yeah. No, the, the national library is non um, nonexistent. Yeah. So th- all this territory in in Central America, b- which includes It stops in Colombia, where where there are really great libraries, and and there is a literary tradition. Doesn't exist in, in, you know, between Mexico and and Bogotá. There's really no, no library. (laughs) (laughs) So we are barbarians in that sense, which also gives us a lot of freedom. Like we really can choose our tradition. So so my, my 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 sort of my. Yeah, my tradition is really Argentinian, like yeah. not not Guatemala. Guatemala to, to have a Guatemala tradition, I would need to to read Quechua, and then the, then there is something. Otherwise, it's pretty much desert. But
1: you're the tradition, maybe in Guatemala. I mean, you're, 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 you're right?
2: No. Or not. Well, you know, uh, Borges. I think I don't know if it's tr- he he used to say that he was invisible in Argentina. Yeah. Well. In that sense, I am, the, I am invisible in Guatemala. Yeah. No, I don't think anyone... <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it's a, it's a country where not many people read, know how to read, and then books, it's like uh, you know one, 0.1% of the population reads one book a year, maybe. So it's really uh, antithetical to Buenos Aires. You can say Buenos Aires is like uh, yeah. the end, but... It doesn't end there. Like no, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so, in that sense, yeah, I think Argentinian literature is, is very present in Central America. It's like that—that's our connection to literary okay. lore. Uh, okay. And uh, Martin Fierro is, is you know, the is is, is yeah. American epic. Yeah,
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. which is a very Borgesian. I mean, I don't know if you know Martin Fierro is like our national book. is like a sort of epic poem about a, a gaucho written by a guy who never saw a gaucho in, in his life you know yeah. so that's yes. Yes. very borgesian, and also yes. the idea you know, you
6: know
4: if, uh, i was th- thinking on the, on the topic of violence in in your work uh rodrigo i was uh, i just read a short story named elementos That <laughs> <Not> rodrigo yeah <laughs> <laughs> elementos in the ningún lugar i don't remember the name uh, the collection ningún lugar sagrado and there was a topic of a, a group of uh, writers, you know, about the, the poets, thinking more van- poets, <laughs> basically. But I was thinking <laughs> also t- make the establish, start trying to establish a connection with uh, the other Rodrigo <laughs> just mentioned about the, the idea of killing the author, right? Because usually we think of on Bo- on Borges as uh, the idea of the library, you know, some some very uh, intellectual. Uh, but actually, we have a lot of violence in there in his own uh, fiction. I mean, if you consider that, the, I mean the how many writers, authors, translators found a like, death in several of his own uh, fiction? I, I think it is possible to say that uh, for Borges at some point this idea of authorship is linked to death at some point. So they're, they're always like dying there. So I was trying to establish and when I, uh, when I read your, your story, I found that very Borgesian also. The idea of the authors and writers being killed.
2: Well, I would say that that is the tradition. If we we read, you know, universal, classic literature, yes. it's so violent. Like yeah. uh, there's. So I think it's part of being human. This sort of this extreme violence is a very human <laughs> thing. Yeah. And uh, but I don't think there is one one classic text w- which is not extremely violent. Like take the Iliad. Is like. Yeah. The, the descriptions of, of
1: violence in, in, the Iliad are amazing, uh, well, and so is the
2: Bible, uh, if you want. So I think this is really part of the tradition. Yeah,
1: that to, to make some sense and, and make it like sound beautiful, you know, to the idea of s- something violent. Well, I don't. There I would take exception. I don't think it's about
2: making it beautiful, but but it. No, beautifully it's written.
1: I mean, like making it, you know, read well. You know.
2: Well, that ar- anything. I mean, otherwise, yeah. b- but but um, I think there is a cathartic element also. Like, uh, and we do deal with death um, constantly. Yeah,
4: yeah, but I was thinking more on the idea of the of killing the author, and that was happening actually well, in that's your Rodrigo's story. Idea. No, no, I mean, <laughs> talking about your story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was trying to, to lift the the guilt from <laughs> <laughs> this Rodrigo translated <laughs> to you, right? <laughs> deal with it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so maybe an easier question for me uh, Borges is a poet too and he's a, he's a poet who uh, writes beautiful fiction and he's a fiction writer an amazing of course fiction writer who can also write poetry I don't mm-hmm. know if you if you find yourselves thinking that way about him or, or inclined towards one side of the fence or the other um, at some point um, so you can answer that question but also craft wise what is it that you feel he has given to you in terms of narrative craft. I know it's too much, but you know you can think of a whatever. I see enumerations, for instance, in both of your works. But <laughs> oh,
1: <laughs> deal with it. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, he made he made me very happy, really. I mean, it's, it's a pleasure to read Borges; it makes you happy. And I remember distinctly, you know, me being like as I told you, a 12 year old, reading him like, like a lo- the logical follow up to Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and, and the Father Brown stories by by Chesterton and all the fantastic tradition of uh, European literature. And, and at the same time feeling important myself because I was 12 and I was already uh, reading Borges which was a, clas- a living classic then he was this was before I killed him, of course, <laughs> and, and, uh, and I really like him being so, uh, like, you know, he, he was like like, a, like an evangelist of, of, of reading and writing, you know? He was like some sort of prophet, like some sort of priest saying you have, I mean, it was very easy to read in Borges uh, to understand that, uh, the idea that reading was not only important for you, but you can have a great time, you know, doing it. And, and the writing comes natural. Once, once, once you enjoy so much reading something, you want to emulate it in, in a way. You want to say, okay, I, I like to try to maybe, if I'm lucky, if the, the stars align, maybe I, I can make feel something like this in a very, very small way to another person, you know, like being part of a chain. And I think that the idea of, of the Library of Borges works also like that, the idea of books communicating with other books, with other books, with other books, with other readers. It's like a, like a human chain of, of paper and flesh, you know? Absolutely.
2: But yeah, uh, going back to, to what, you were saying, I, I think that w- what you learn with Borges is to read, to, to read, n- but not to write. <laughs> because he, he you cannot, as Rodrigo said, if you imitate him, you're lost. But he's he's like a closed system, yeah. you know, but, but so he opens all the door for you to read. Yeah. What exactly, evidence, that's, yeah. you know, we, we agree. You cannot try to emulate his style, only maybe in the later stories that are very simple, which is like probably more what, what we write, but yeah. this sort of very dense, uh, And this combination of really unlikely adjectives to go with with nouns, uh, you cannot do that because that's Borges. So it's he also closes that door. It's like there are very few exceptions. Like Bío Casares, I think, had to deal with that, and he had to go away, and he went too far sometimes,
1: (laughs) and started writing. But he was much more romantic than than Borges, and more playful in a way, I think.
2: Well, there is one uh, book that is. um, a case in point is like they the Invención de Moral yeah. Could have been written by Borges. It's the novel he never wrote. You know? yeah, yeah. So, but but it's dangerous to go too far from Borges because then yeah. then um, you know you start writing more uh, sort of jargon and yeah. he, because yeah. he is a he's a classic in the sense that he's transparent. He's yeah. like. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Uh, and, and so and anyway,
2: uh, uh, it's a dangerous influence, and I think yeah. I think. After you receive it, the next problem is how to get away from it and, you know, <laughs> find your own way to, no, but, but to
1: write. Same, but, but at the same time, it's very didactic in, in terms of you reading Borges, you understand the idea of plot, of an idea, and how, how an idea can become a short story, you know, how, how you organize. Well, I guess that's why you write novels. (laughs) But no, for example, I mean, by by two main influences.
2: There is no, uh, you know, uh, how do you say, caution or caveat. Because thank God he didn't write novels. Otherwise, what what would he do?
1: Yeah, Yeah, but but, but I learned from him the same thing I learned at the same time when I was a kid, you know, watching the classic episodes of of The Twilight Zone. They are like, you know, pretty clear uh, plots and, and how to organize a story, you know, and the steps you have to follow, Absolutely. you
0: know. What's an efficient uh, narrative for you? What's, what's efficient for you? Borges. What, for you, in your fiction. <laughs> ah, sorry, what, sorry. what is an efficient, efficace? He, he used to say, uh, you know, narrative needs to be
1: efficace. No, I, I'm right? not efficient no. at all.
0: No? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I haven't learned that. No. No.
0: You don't want to learn that. No, I, no, don't, I, don't,
1: I don't. I don't know. I mean, it's, you can judge yourself. You, 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 I mean, I, I don't like the idea of knowing perfectly how I do it or what I do. Or, or I prefer, to, you know, That's to work in some sort of uh, penumbra. You know, you know, to make it fun for me also. I don't know if, if it works like that. That's a very social idea. You're a planner. You, you plan no. everything.
2: No, 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 uh, I I, th- I think I started by saying, I don't know what I'm, uh, yeah. when I finish, I've tried to figure out what I did, but.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <that's cool>. yeah. <laughs> well, but my, it, it, the efficient was, was meant to be in terms of, you know, what's efficient language, what's efficient narrative, like the right word, or the right, you know, not that you're an efficient worker, <laughs> and so much, but but um, we, can, we can also move on from that question. Yeah, but I do, I don't <laughs> think that
2: there is any, in abstract, efficient way of writing because it depends on the subject matter, it depends on the context, it depends on so many things that um, I don't think. I think it, there are only can books at each it, book. Yes. Yeah, you cannot. You, ca- you cannot have, um, or you can have it, but I don't think it works on a theory of you know how to deal with this particular problem. You create the problem and you solve it as you go
3: along.
0: Yeah, to me, it has to do with the with the idea of when you feel the narrative is done. It's this is communicating what I want. Or what will, it's it's good. It's okay. It's done. I can close it. I can publish it.
5: Well, I, when I, do you I, come
0: I, to I, that? You
1: know, you know, I have a, a deadline by my publisher, and, and when
0: that's it.
1: <laughs> I mean, there, there comes a time when I have to deliberate. You know, but it could be writing in for forever. I mean, my, my what mm-hmm. I do in my books tends to be more and more in classic. Yes. I, I, I used to be much more, uh, I, ha- I think that when I started uh, writing I, I was much more efficient in a way.
0: Communicating more efficiently? No, you no, mean, no, or no, not no no communicating, but, but, but,
1: but I had an, a, a more clear idea of how to organize the material. Yeah. I, I think that as books uh, go by, uh, I'm much more a reader of myself than a writer, you know, in a way.
0: You're more expansive yeah, with, yeah, the, with yeah. the third book in a trilogy coming up
4: this year, yeah, right?
6: Yeah,
4: I'm thinking now on the um, this short story, El Sur, the South. And uh, I'm very interested because you just mentioned this, uh, the relation between uh, the library and life could be sometimes dangerous, right? And I think this sort of story is, uh, is a very, uh, it's a kind of perfect example of what this dangerous relation could be between books and life, between the library and life, because actually, uh, when Rodrigo Fresan was reading uh, his, his piece, I got hooked by this word, uh, library, no? with a short V, That's with kind of um, you were intertwining the idea of life and library. So uh, how did you deal with this relation between the, your books and your own lives?
2: I don't really understand the, how do you deal with this. <laughs> I don't understand the question, really. The
4: notion with the, um, because usually we say, OK, if you read books, you have a kind of peaceful life, right? But in the short story, the South, Borges actually um, say shows that books and life could be a real dangerous relation.
0: It could be ended. But but in his
2: life, he, he, he you know, his yes. accidents, uh, you know. Coming across Rodrigo in the street could be a, a very dangerous yeah. happening. But, yeah. but I think life is a dangerous game, that's for sure. But not books, No, the, the um, no, I think. Uh,
1: Which one is the south? Is the one that when he gave the, Bi- the Bible to this. No, Dalma. Well, oh, Dalma. He
0: okay, went to the, when he traveled to the south. It's the autobiographical. No, because like
1: the there. there's the other one when this, this guy that goes to, to the, the countryside and gives the Bible to these two gauchos <laughs> and they start, no. No, uh, they no. end up crucifying him. Remember that? That's the Evangelio. So
4: no, the other one when he goes to so the south and we're going to get to get a fight with a couple of gauchos. No, this a someone
2: insults him and he... He has to take a knife. Yeah. He said, "I don't have a knife," and someone throws a knife. <laughs> yeah. and okay. and no. then you're so going to. <laughs> t- <laughs> we don't know.
4: Yeah, to I,
0: I remember, remember now. <laughs> All right. So in closing, I think we want to open the um, the mic up for the audience to uh, for for a bit of Q and A. About ten minutes for Q and A. And just uh, in closing, I would like to pose one last question that has to do with the simple, what well, has to do with the fact that we're here um, in New York, a multilingual city, speaking English with uh, Spanish r- authors who write in Spanish but also uh, have translators or have translated and Borges was also, uh, you know, one, I think one of the joys for him about mm. reading and writing was yeah. to be able to enter the world of, you know, the literatures in different languages mm. and he taught himself German, you no know, translated German. He had a very close relationship with his translator. Uh, his translator in New York was, uh, and he would work absolutely every day on the translations. And sometimes he would, you know, uh, read the translation. Oh, this is better. Like you were saying earlier, this is a, this yeah. is a better text than mine. I want to change mine. And then the next uh, uh, publication of his story would be different because of the translation, right? So he was very generous. Apparently, very open. To those types of exchanges. So, how, how do you relate to your own translations, or to the trans, to the, the translations of your work, and the translations that you um, that you do as well? What is that a pleasure for you? Well, I think
2: it's a it's a very important, um, you know, literary tradition. Translate. I think literature wouldn't exist as we know it without translation. I think um, it's a very important. Factor And I did, sort of following Borges' example and who translated a lot, I, I started translating as I started writing. And also Paul Bowles was a, uh, a translator of by work. conviction. No, well, no of, others, of Bo- Actually, he was the first translator of Borges. The first story of Borges in English was translated by Paul. And he used to say, this is called really Translation is culture. This is exchange of ideas and of means of, uh, you know, attacking different problems. We learn through translation. So for me, it's they're almost inextricable translating and
1: writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, my translator is here.
2: Uh.
0: You have a very good relationship. There
1: is. No, yeah, and and, what, and and I feel like he, he he writes my books in English. I mean. He's, he's like the author of my books in English, really. And, and, I, and it had like, I, I translated like uh, only two books. In, and, and I translated the, all the songs by Bob Dylan that for a translation n- never came out finally. And then I translated Dennis Johnson, two books by Dennis Johnson, into Spanish. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, I have all my respect for, for, for the translators because I remember being in the middle of the books by Dennis Johnson saying... God, this is so much work. I mean, it's, it's, it's much, it's, 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 I mean, it's, it's, it's harder than writing my books, you know, mm-hmm. really.
0: Can't be, can't be, for sure. So uh, we have a mic by the sound booth.
1: Uh, to, fi- to finish with the idea Sorry. you say about oh. violence and, 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 and libraries, I think that there's a moment in our life when we really hate our libraries that is when we have to move house. That's th- oh, the moment yes. when you said, I, well, this is a monster, this, this is like, you know, a Borgesian monster.
0: Thank you. So let's open up the dialogue. Uh, so Everybody has a chance to make some brief comments or ask questions to the authors. There's a mic over there. You can just uh, walk up so everybody can hear your question.
6: Thank you, it's a very interesting discussion tonight. I find Borges' poetry simple to read but very musical. Do you know what Borges' relationship was with music? Because I think of Argentina, the tango, the Teatro Colón, the great classical music tradition, can any of you address his relationship with music yeah. thank you
1: well he he was b- very interested in tango and, and in fact, he wrote lyrics for for many tangos also like milongas and, and things like that. He had this sort of idea of he was a, a bit nerdish, really you know like uh, blind like pretty shy, and he sort of idolized the idea of south the going to the south of the city and, and All his uh, tango fighters were like, for him, were like some sort of Nibelungs, like the the direct descendants from from Odin and and from Valhalla. Everything was mixed up for him that way, you know? Mm -hmm. But he was very interested. And and, and his poetry in Spanish really sounds, uh, it's very musical, really. Well, it rhymes. It's it's, yes. it's really poetry in that, in that way for yeah. me, you know. Yeah, also. Yeah, also. Yeah. See, see, see. There was this some sort, long before Eminem, no? Yeah. In in Argentina, there was this some sort of uh, contest of people improvising rhymes and and sort of <laughs> fighting each other, you know, yeah. uh, in 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 in. In, in bars and st- yeah. things like that.
0: Mm-hmm. Sorry. Mm-hmm. 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 Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Right. <laughs> I'm going to have to bend down quite a lot. Hi. Um, so I was curious as to when you were talking about the writing as an exercise in freedom and how everything becomes useful, and it made me think of a uh, quote of sorts that I'm paraphrasing, which is from Echo when he was speaking about uh, writing in The Name of the Rose, where he said he found himself with a blind librarian, and a blind librarian could only be called Jorge, and he found (coughs) himself with a library in a medieval text, and so he knew he had to burn it down at the end, because I think he said that uh, having a library in a a text from the Middle Ages that didn't burn was like not shooting down a plane in a war movie. so, because so you talk about these, all this freedom and the exercise of it, do you find yourself being sort of dictated as to the terms of the writing by the actual book that you're writing, that the text has rules and regulations that you feel you must follow at some point later without possibly having set out to do so?
1: Well, I,
2: w- I, don't, I wouldn't call them rules or regulations, but as you go along, the book starts you know, dictating where it's going. Yeah, I, I, th- well these are metaphors to, to, to explain how, what happens and of course, cannot take them too seriously or taken too far, but a, a bit like our lives, like w- at the beginning we can be anything, at the end we're only what we are and uh, that happens with a book too. At the beginning everything is open and you go and starts narrowing down to yeah. what you end up with.
1: In my case, I, I always say that there, there's two ways as a reader, even as a writer, you can position yourself in In that situation I, and, and I compared it with the, the idea of someone's going to see a, a magician, you know, there's the people that wants to while the magician is doing his trick. He's pretty worried about discovering How he does it and there's the other that just relax and says, okay uh Impressed me, you know. and I prefer the second, the second position. You know, I, I I'm not really into how the machinery works, and and I did I don't I really don't don't want to 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 think about literature as some sort of exact science like like music or or, or mathematics. You know, I, I prefer like the idea of certain chaos and cert- certain certain. Surpri- I really like the idea of surprising myself and And when I write uh being a reader of myself, you know, not knowing exactly what is going to happen, and then say, "Oh, this is what happens, you know
5: hi again, thank you for a great
1: yeah uh, um, event um Question I have is um, I was just wondering since uh, Borges has has has, uh, has
5: died for so many years now, if um, his works and him uh, as as influential as as inspiration for younger writers now in Argentina or Latin America, given the rise you know the uh, some other authors Garcia Marquez, Gabriel Garcia uh, even even Brazil, Paulo Coelho, that have been you know become more famous. Uh, yeah which I put in a different category, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, it, since those authors have risen the last few years, Borges
1: remains as influential in terms of you know, bringing uh, new generation of writers. Well, I, I would say that
2: Borges is probably the most influential writer in any language of the second, you know, the, the, la- the last part of the 20th century. I, it's amazing to me how, you know, how much he's quoted by anyone that Talks about literature has to talk about Borges, uh, and it's, I think the first, well, twentieth century also that had this really wide area of influence. Uh, he he was sort of um, denied by the by the left, but even 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 the left now has mm-hmm. come to their yeah, senses sure. <laughs> and, sure. and know that he's you cannot you know, sidestep it w- without a big risk of not, you know, of missing out on, you know, uh, the best that th- there is to be had in, in reading. Of course, you no, I know many people that are very, that I respect a lot that I cannot enter into Borges, and I understand that also. I think Borges may be an author that you need to read when you're rather young. I think it could be, he could be too didactical in a way, and so, it's okay, but still, even if you don't read him, you you deal with, with Borges' ideas of literature. Is that kind of author that you cannot um, sidestep? Yeah.
1: Well, I, I think that Borges is it's like, in a way, it's like the monolith in 2001 Space Odyssey, you know? It, it's like a mystery, It's it's completely there, but you never, uh, finish understanding him completely you know. there, there are always new possible meanings or possible applications or possible influences of, of, of Borges everywhere you know I mean you, you can detect uh, Borges in Twin Peaks for example I mean uh, his, his, uh, or, 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 or you can detect Borges in, in Groundhog Day you no know. <laughs> it, it, work, it, it, it works in both ways as a comedy, was, was some sort of c- very cryptic thing.
0: Other questions? You can also ask questions in Spanish, of course everybody uh, on the stage understands. Uh,
1: yes.
0: Can everybody hear in the back?
1: Yes, good, good. Go to the microphone. No. Yeah. <laughs> Sing happy birthday, Mr. President. <laughs> Rodrigo, uh, do you think is, is there a parallel between Borges and Asturias? Oh. Rodrigo Rey Rosa, do you think there's a parallel between Borges and Asturias in Central America in, that w- in the influential Only in the bad sense <laughs> <laughs> that,
2: that an author could thought the idea, um, or give you an idea what a writer should be uh, because in Guatemala that happens. Uh, writers think they need to write uh, like Asturias, which is suicidal, you, mm-hmm. you know, keeping distances. You cannot, so, but uh, Asturias is sort of an axi- officiating writer, and I think Borges is the opposite. Uh, um, but, but for Guatemalan readers, not in Central America, I think for Central America it would be Darío the example the writer, and I think Darío is more similar to Borges than Asturias. Asturias is the opposite, I would say. So I I think that they're very different writers. If I had, had only Asturias to read, I probably would have become a doctor
1: also thinking that one idea that Borges repeats all the time is the idea of the double, and we want to give uh, an homage to that, and we have two Rodrigos here, so.
5: (laughs) That was very well designed by the festival. (laughs) So you um, mentioned about, like, you know, Argentina needing to go to the past because the present's so horrible. Hi. Uh, Uh, Yeah. (laughs) So what about the future and you know there's a lot of you know I'm um, uh, like reimagining the future and like what dreams c- should be realized and what dreams shouldn't you know I really like that Isaac Dinnison quote like that she says all dreams don't have to be realized but there's a lot of like reimagining and um, you know reimagining of the history and like thinking what stories weren't told and all of that in Latin American culture and history. So, I mean, you mentioned like Borges being someone or all of Argentina being looking towards the past and some other place in the present but, you know, what about the future and things like that? Are there any things in your writing or in Borges that like speak to you on that note?
1: I don't know. To to quote the words of another poet, Leonard Cohen, I've seen the future, it is murder. You know? (laughs) (laughs) So... I'm not really optimistic about it, really. But I think that, that also of the, of the worst situations comes great literature also, that there's like, in, in, in a, when, 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 you, when you deal constantly with non-fiction horror, you, you find some solace or, or some consolation in fiction, you know? But, you know, f- the future is, I mean, it's never coming. It's all the time, like in the future, also. I
4: I remember now my my colleague. Are you Are you listening? Um, I I remember my colleague Josefina Ludmer that uh, wrote an essay saying uh, all a kind of generation of uh, um, writers in Argentina they more or less must get rid of borders. Do you agree with this? Do no, you feel no, this? No
1: no, no, no. no. no, I don't think so. I, do, I, I don't think that there are maybe what like you were saying about Asturias. You know that there are there are uh, in, in many Latin American countries there are pretty totemic, solid national writers. But I don't feel that Borges is a national writer in the common Latin American sense. He's much more an universal writer. You know, it's not. I mean he's pretty Argentinian, he deals with Argentinian themes, but all the time he's like you know, like all over the place, you know. I I I don't I don't feel I can I can understand someone wanting to to, to, you know to get rid of Borges. I don't know where's what's the reward on that really.
6: So I have a question for Fresan. You know very well that uh, Argentinian politics and Borges are being intertwined. And it's been a huge divide between the two different bands in Argentina forever. It's something that Argentina suffered this division for many years. Mm -hmm. You think so, are we getting to a point that Borges is considered like a universal author for Argentinians that he in a way closed the divisions uh,
1: and that you we see in politics still happening. What is your opinion on that? I think he's, he, he's much more than that. He's beyond politics, really. And, and I mean, there, there, wa- there was his opinions during the dictatorship when he, f- but w- when he talked like some, he sort of glamorized the military people, but he wasn't talking about the Argentinian dictators. He was talking about Kipling you know, I mean, the idea of military people for him wasn't his, those his guys. His grandfather, he was, too, he was completely romantic in, in 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 that way, and 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 he sort of excused himself because af- when the dem- democracy came back, they were like reproaching him: "How how you been so important, uh, ha- having such gravitas, and so your opinion being so important? How, why why didn't you talk when during your tours about the horrors that were?" happening and he he answered in a way very playfully he said i'm blind and everybody told me everything was great <laughs> so you know but that, that that was borges being borges you know in 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 all his books borges is a character also in many of his own short stories so so he it's like what what happens here with with writers like Bonnegut or Hemingway, they sort of become part of, of their own work, you know?
0: Yes, I have seen uh, interviews with him where he does say that, that humanity, uh, I remember an interview from 1976 where, where he was saying that humanity did not deserve democracy yet, maybe in 400 years. Yeah. Yeah, so he, he did have his political opinions. They were very unpopular at the time, right? Uh, throughout Latin America and in Argentina and in Spain, um, but um, yeah, that was him.
1: That was he it's part he of he w- it. w- I think it, it was, he was very playful and very perverse yes. in, in that way, no? He was like, okay, I'm going to be Borges, no?
0: Also not quote me as a politician.
1: I'm not. Yeah. 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 I think he he didn't give a damn about politics. I think it's very difficult being a writer and not being a little bit elitist. It's a, it's a pretty bourgeois profession. I mean, I I, I, I really <laughs> tend to to don't I, I don't trust a lot the populist writers that are all the time like involved with with reality or, or pretty compromised. But, but it's a very personal. Yeah, I totally thing. take
2: exception to that. Uh, okay. But but writers are usually wrong when they express. I mean. Political opinions, but that doesn't mean that that uh, by being a writer you are are on the right. I mean, on the right. On the right wing, yeah. Uh,
6: uh,
2: And I think that it is very. I mean, it's a different kind of writer, but I think uh, the ideas that travel through literature are important, and they have uh, contributed in the good sense more than towards this idea of democracy, which I don't think when I mean when we say democracy each one has a different idea, I, it's a very, so even saying that democrat, humanity doesn't deserve democracy, you know, if you think of that, no, it's pretty o- stupid o- to say.
1: Yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, No, but I, I was talking so more in, in the sense that when, when a writer becomes politized, they usually tend to write worse. Cortázar, for me, is, is a clear example of that.
5: Yeah.
2: But I think it's a, there are different spheres of, of life that don't communicate uh, so in that sense
0: yeah and this is maybe a difference a in your in the your approach to s- like social realities and, and historical realities I see in your in your work uh, Rodrigo rey Rosa you are um, incorporating elements of our contemporary political international you know conflicts uh, that, that's that's present in in your fiction
2: oh I'm not talking about my fiction at this moment but I think in fiction that that it's always there, I mean there's no way, it, it somehow is talking about your present, but, but that as individual, like I don't think that a writer has to be engaged, but in, as a writer, but when you go out in the street, you are a political person, you're, you cannot be political, that, that's yeah, no, more the sure. point. Oh, and so Borges, um, yeah, you have to take Borges as a joke when he's talking about those things and not take him seriously, which is what a lot of people don't or can't do. And then he, I think he's reprehensible in many, <laughs> in many instances, being, being the great writer that he is.
5: Yeah, uh, he, he yeah probably, yeah.
2: So I think he was a, a jerk in many ways. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> 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 Any other questions? I can't, I'm sorry, I can't see uh, very well. That's the title. That's You're going
1: to read every word tomorrow. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, one, we have one question then.
6: the conversation very enriching for me Uh, I learned from Borges when I was a kid (laughs) about the power of words the creative power of words of the creative power and the capacity to create a shared culture but also the capacity of creating my own identity as an adult Uh, and I think that because of, of reading him and then some others and how didactic he was, and I could really underst- understand how s- a story was written, as, as you have mentioned. Uh, he was a good teacher, and, and, and I learned that part. Uh, my question is, if you think that today the power of words are still the same, or the power of words, it's, it's something that belongs to Borges' time and not anymore. So nowadays.
2: No, I think, well, uh, the influence writers used to have is certainly not there anymore. Even at Boris' time, it was in, in decline. I, I mean, if, if you compare it to the 19th century, then writers were important, so to speak. Now we're not, but I don't think that's the, uh, really the word that's, that's How ideas circulate. I think movies are much more influential now and shape more the way young people grow up thinking of the world. But I I still think that uh, writing is a very powerful uh, means, and words have kept their power. And I think this is sort of a cyclical thing that I think, you know, words go in and out of the the system, and they have this sort of way of, of, of moving, going up and down. Um, and I think, I still think that movies are a, a sort of a continuation of literature in a way. It's like there's the, way of, the, the way movies work is sort of, an, uh, how do you say, I, I can't think of the word, but this narrative need Of humans to communicate and to think of the world is—it's like going through through a kind of hibernation, if you want. But I think, I think it's not. I I think that we're not nearly
1: near the the end of of literature. Well, you—you can deal both ways with it. I mean, for example, you you can think that Google is like its stupid brother of Aleph, in a way, you know. But, but i agree with 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 rodrigo and with there's there's a cyclical way ricardo Pigli has a very interesting had a very interesting theory that he said that the different mediums be became uh, had like the authority to became uh, experimental or vanguardists when the new medium appeared no he said that uh, for example that painting uh stopped being realistic when the photography showed up photography stopped being realistic when the movies come out the movies started being experimental when television showed up and now television is being experimental because there's all the life on online but all through these changes literature it's goes its own way all the time and i think that what what makes makes literature interesting it's the idea of, of style, not of writing with, with, with style. Yeah, I agree what, what, what with Rodrigo when he said that, that in 19th century was like the golden age of, of the literature and the Nobel because it had a really important social function, you know, to, to show the world to all people. You, you have to, to think that people who were, for example, living, I don't know. 200 miles from, from London in 19th century. Maybe, maybe they never went to London in all its life and died in the same bed where they were born. So through, through nobles, they understood the idea of, of the world. There wasn't an image culture that there were. And now, now, now in, 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 a, in, a, in a novel, you read New York and you have immediately, automatically, like a, a, a visual composition of what New York is. But in that time, they have to describe New York in pa- lots of pages for, for, for the reader. So, I th- but I think that what, what makes literature still interesting and, and think a powerful force to recon with is the idea of, of style, you know? Borges was style, it was in, in itself, you know?
0: Great. Thank you, everybody, for your questions. Thank you, Claudia. Thank you, Rodrigo (laughs) Fresano, and thank you, Rodrigo Herrera. There are signed copies of their books on the table over there, if anybody's interested in purchasing. Thank you for being here. Thank you.
6: hands of the fine you know how i feel oh freedom is mine and i know how i feel it's a new dawn it's a new day